Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 780. But I've always remembered a simple line that was repeated by my parents more than once, and that was, if you're going to do something, do it right. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Bob Marlowe. Hey, Bob, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Well, I've been looking at this office chair, and I cannot find the seatbelt, <laughs> so I think I'm just going to hang on as best I can. Oh, I like that. That's the first time I've heard that one. That is very clever. I think we're going to have some fun. Bob Marlowe is a veteran motorsports writer and Speedway public address announcer from New Jersey. Bob's been to more than 100 speedways in the U.S. and Canada, covering everything from the local short tracks to Formula One and IndyCar. Most recently, Bob was at the Phoenix Raceway, where he was on the microphone for the Vintage Desert Classic Vintage IndyCar event that was part of the Verizon IndyCar Series weekend. That must have been great fun. And he just completed a 15-year run as the lead announcer for the Gambler Classic Midwinter Indoor Racing Event in Atlantic City. Now retired from announcing, today, Bob is the motorsports editor for CarshowSafari.com. It's a website with the ambitious tagline of every car event, everywhere. And Bob is also a classic car enthusiast, and I bet you can see him roaming the aisles at Hershey every October. And I'll remind our listeners, last week on Cars Yeah, we had two of Bob's colleagues from Car Show Safari, the founder, Tom Scalera, and his wonderful daughter, their social media editor, Ruby Scalera. So go back and listen to those shows if you miss them. So Bob, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Please take a moment, share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles. Well, thank you, Mark. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. And what may be significant about me in the context of CarsYeah.com is that I'm not an automotive professional. My involvement with cars and in racing has always been a hobby, a hobby that I pursued while professionally I was running a family-owned industrial manufacturing business. So for the most part, I worked Monday through Friday in the industrial sector, and then I chased racing on the weekend. Very cool. Uh, you know, I, I can place the, the credit or the blame for this on my father because in the 1950s, not long after I was born, he started the family manufacturing business, and he was a car guy himself. So he not only indulged and nurtured my interests, but he chased his own. He bought and sold interesting old cars. And in 1962, he built a racetrack here in New Jersey, the Pinebrook Speedway. Pinebrook remained in operation through 1989, and all of this was pretty influential on young me. Oh, gosh. You know, this is really cool because the mantra here at Cars Yeah is, of course, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, people who figured out how to wrap their passion for cars into their careers. So you're kind of a little twist on that, the fact that you were able to wrap that passion into things you did on the weekend. And it's a great example that if you don't work in the automotive field, but you want to, here's a way to still get involved by volunteering or going out and doing things, being part of an organization, a club, an event, or in your case, announcing racing. So we're going to learn a lot more about you, Bob, as we move through this journey of your life. But first, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is something that's been important to you, and it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Bob, take the wheel. Well, I, I can't claim to have an inspirational quote or, or a mantra for success, 
but I've always remembered a simple line that was repeated by my parents more than once, and that was, if you're going to do something, do it right. So I've always tried to associate myself with worthwhile projects and to do the best job I can. But I also have to mention that as a Speedway announcer, I've always kept in mind the influence of the first announcer I heard as a kid, a gentleman by the name of Matt Kleinfield. Even though Mr. Kleinfield was speaking to people who were right there and could see what was going on, he called the races as if he was doing radio. Uh, He described the events in detail without talking down to the audience, and it was a very engaging style, and I've always tried to keep that in mind. Well, people that can do that, people like you for that matter, I really admire because as this venture, and I just celebrated three years last weekend here with Cars, yeah, the podcast, so I'm still... Well, congratulations to you on that. Well, thank you, yeah, and uh, up to obviously 780 guests here. Sometimes I don't believe that. You know, as you learn, as you go, as you talk and trying to put yourself out there in front of people, I really admire people that are great speakers and I try to listen to them and emulate what they're doing to try to make Cars, yeah, more interesting for everyone else. So again, congratulations. You know, the mantra, that quote that your parents drilled into your head, I hear an echo here because last Friday, last Thursday, rather, I had a uh, good friend of mine on the show, Tim Willard, who I actually worked with for years, and he's a master restorer. And his quote was very similar. His grandfather taught him this. If you're going to do something, do the best job you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Great message from those uh, parents and mentors we have in our lives that kind of help us along. Well, let's go back in time a little bit. And you kind of answer this in a way because of that racetrack and the family influence. Would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you realized that you too, like your father, were going to be a car guy? Well, I think not. I, I, apparently, I was born a car guy. Okay. <laughs> my mother claimed, and, and she said this in all seriousness, that my first spoken word was not mama or daddy, but Oldsmobile. Mm. And I said that, or at least tried to say it, when looking at a passing car. So there was no pivotal moment. I liked cars right from the start. I never gained any interest in any sport other than racing. Uh, I still can't tell you how many first downs are in an inning, Uh, (laughs) but my father took me to my first race when I was six years old and I was hooked. I can remember after that race, I was making crude illustrations of the cars. I remembered when I got home, Uh, the only thing that did was prove that I had no artistic ability. (laughs) So I never discovered that I was a car guy. Apparently I was born a car guy. Oldsmobile. Now that is a mouthful of marbles for a little child. Well, to say. I, I, my mother loved to say that what I really said was Oldsmobile, <laughs> because <laughs> after all, I was just an infant. But uh, apparently, I had identified the car correctly, which struck them. Well, that's really cool. Well, you had a little better start than I did because when I was very, very young, maybe a year old, my mom's brother gave me his Garton. Cadillac pedal car. <laughs> and for the first 10 years of my life, I thought that Cadillacs were Cadillacs. So <laughs> I like that. That's what it said on the side of my car. So yeah, that's pretty cool. But Oldsmobile, very nice. Well, Bob, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down and talk about a huge challenge or a big failure that you faced along the way. Of course, the most important part of this question is what did it teach you? How did that incident help you move forward? So kind of take us to that painful moment in time, walk us through it, and then tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum in your life. Well, I think I'm very fortunate because I, I can't say that I ever faced anything that I would describe as a huge challenge or, or a painful experience or a defining obstacle. But the circumstances that caused me to become a Speedway announcer are very much a vivid memory for me. That, um, Matt Kleinfield, the, the announcer I mentioned a few moments ago, 
he suffered a debilitating stroke in 1964. Mm. And during, during that time, he was working for my father's racetrack, uh, among others. And because this happened right in the middle of the racing season, right in the middle of the week, there was no time to find a substitute. And so my father, out of necessity, became the announcer at his own racetrack that week. Oh, wow. And he proved to be good at it, and he enjoyed doing it so much so that ultimately he gave up management of the racetrack and continued as announcer for the series that raced there. Oh, wow. Then you fast forward 10 years, and my father suffered his own career-ending stroke. Oh. And this was just before the opening race of that year for the series at the Freeport Stadium in, in New York. So I stepped in to do the PA announcing for that race, having not done it previously. I was only 22 years old at the time. And the manager of the Freeport Stadium at that time was a great guy named Don Campy, who was a former racer who was himself just starting out as a racetrack operator. He told me later that he wondered... Who is this kid when, <laughs> when I showed up on his opening day? Yeah. But he very kindly complimented me on the job I did that day. I continued to do events at that track for many years until, as happens with so many racetracks, rising real estate values swallowed it up. Right, right. Wow. Well, I'm so sorry to hear about your father suffering from a stroke. Uh, I guess somewhat fortuitous in a way that you could step in there having watched him, listened to him, learning from him all those years. and and the gentleman before him, that you could carry all those teachings forward into what you were doing. And obviously you loved it, because you did it for a long time. <laughs> well, I thought I retired at the end of uh, this past year. I, I told the uh, the folks who do the indoor series that I was done. But then I got invited to go to Phoenix this spring and do the vintage IndyCar thing. And, well, I couldn't resist. <laughs> so I, I'm not sure whether I'm retired or not. <laughs> well, that's a sign that you found the secret sauce to life because that's why a lot of people listen to the show. They're trying to glean from my guests, how can I have a career in the field I'm passionate about, and that is cars. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's a time when those headlights come on and kind of illuminate your way down a new path, perhaps a new direction. You kind of alluded to that with what happened with your father and then you stepping into his shoes and doing that, but maybe there's another aha moment in your career you'd like to share. I can't say, you know, much like with the uh, challenges that I ever had a specific aha moment, but I enjoyed a succession of, of certainly small moments, each of which helped move me forward. When I was a teenager, long before I started announcing, I was invited to submit race reports to a regional racing publication. It still exists today. It's called the Area Auto Racing News, based here in New Jersey. And then from there, Chris Economaki invited me to submit material to the National Speed Sport News. So oh, that started wow. a very long relationship. I continued as a regular contributor to the National Speed Sport News for 35 years, right up through the, the end of the time when the, pub, the publication ceased coming out weekly. Mm -hmm. And during those years, the Speed Sport News sent me to a lot of places I otherwise would have never gotten to. I got to Ascot Park in Southern California, the Chili Bowl in Oklahoma, Formula One at Watkins Glen. So it was just a, a whole succession of great little events. Uh, that helped move me forward. Wow. Chris and Connor Maggie, man. Now there's a there's an announcer for you. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Well, let's talk about a proudest career or life moment. I'm sure you've had many, but is there one that really stands out for you? Well, it may actually bring us back to Chris Economaki. In the context of racing, uh, what I'm most proud of at this point is that race organizers would seek me out to be their announcer. I, I was hired by individual racetracks and by various racing series uh, which I'm very proud of that having happened through the years. I can think of only one instance where I was clearly the second choice. 
And that was when I was hired to replace Chris Economaki at a track here in New Jersey. Wow. Because if Chris was the first choice, I was honored to be the second. Oh, my gosh, yes. That's a shadow to stand in, that's for sure. Wow. Well, I I should, in in the spirit of full disclosure, (coughs) excuse me, point out that the Marlowe family and the Economaki families have kind of a long path together because Chris Economaki and my father were the same age and went to high school together in the same town. Oh, my gosh. A generation later, Chris's daughter, Corinne, and myself were the same age and went through the same high school at the same time. So we've known each other for a long, long time. Wow. What a nice, uh, long time friendship. Well, let's talk about your first really special car. Maybe you could share a memory you have about that vehicle. Well, I guess for most people, the the car they remember most fondly is their first car, and I think that's true with me. I've been lucky enough to have a lot of interesting cars over the years. I I remember clearly 48 Cadillac that I love with a flathead with a porcelain exhaust manifold, a 36 Chrysler Airflow, which is such a distinctive vehicle. And I even remember the first car I bought new, which was an original first-generation Honda Civic. But the, the car that keeps coming back to me as, as, as having a special place in my memory is a 1962 Corvair station wagon. It was my very first car purchased when I was in high school. I bought the Corvair because I could afford it. I remember very clearly the purchase price was $265. <laughs> but I'm convinced that the Corvair made me a better driver. Every car person has heard the cliche about it's more fun to drive a slow car fast than a fast car slow. Right. But the Corvair proved that for me. It taught me all about conservation of momentum and how to be smooth. And that served me well through the years. Oh, no doubt. It's also the car that taught me how to drive a stick shift in no time at all, because the week I bought it, I had to drive from New Jersey to Syracuse, New York, and I'd never driven a stick before. (laughs) So the Corvair was a stick. I left the driveway all herky-jerky and stalling the engine all the time. But when I arrived in Syracuse a few hours later, I was a smooth master. You were a smooth master. Now, that is a really unique car. I mean, the Corvair, first and foremost, somewhat of a unique car, obviously. But the wagon, I can count on one hand how many times I've seen in real life a Corvair wagon. They were only manufactured for a year and a half. Uh, the, The Corvair, the popularity of the Corvair skewed more toward the sporty end of the spectrum. General Motors originally conceived the car as a full line car with sedans and convertibles and station wagons and even trucks. But then the Spider, a turbocharged, four on the floor. And when the Corvair convertible was introduced, the station wagon was dropped to make line in the production room in the production lines for the, the convertible. So, yeah, it was a rare bird, but, you know, it was my first car as a teenager, so it has a special point. Well, of course, and uh, I love the back of those. I think, if I remember right, didn't they have four taillights, kind of the two on each side? If I remember those cars right, that... Sure. You know, it emulated the, the Chevrolet styling cues of, of the day, which were multiple yeah. small round taillights. And the Corvair had two taillights and two backup lights in identical design side by side. Kind of like jet rocket packs on the back or little ones, I guess, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. so they weren't they weren't super fast cars, but very, very cool. Well, that is a cool uh, first car. How about Seller's Remorse? Is there a vehicle you've let go that you really wish you had back in your garage? Uh, I, I'm going to have to say no. Uh, part of that is because I never really had the opportunity to buy a lot of special vehicles that I might've wanted to own. I mean, I, I missed the 36 Chrysler Airflow because it was cool, mm-hmm. but I don't really have any seller's remorse. Uh, I, when I go to car shows, I, I tend to point out cars to people and say, oh, that's, that's a Jay Leno car. And what I mean by that is if I had Jay Leno's resources, I would own a car like that. Oh, yes. 
<laughs> yeah, wouldn't oh, wouldn't we all love to have those resources? <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. I, I've been uh, been after Jay forever. I'm hoping maybe I can land him as my 1,000th guest by the time I finally That'd get him cool. to sit yep. still enough to be on the show. But that guy is one busy guy. Oh my gosh, isn't he though? Yeah, he's. I mean, he's still doing stand up every week. He flies around the country. He's doing his TV show. He does his video show in his garage and all the other stuff that he does. And I'll tell you a funny side story. A good friend of mine, John, who lives up in uh, north of LA, Jay ended up on his street last week shooting a segment for his show. And he walked out and talked to him. And, you know, I said he's just the nicest guy you could ever talk to. So. Everyone who's ever met Jay Leno has confirmed that, that, that he's just a down-to-earth car guy like the rest of us. He is. I have talked to him several times, met him at events and so forth, and uh, he's a really wonderful man. So hopefully, cross my fingers, and if anybody out there listening is really good friends, put in a good word for me, would you? Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. What has you really excited and fired up? I know right now you're supposedly retired, but we'll wink at that because I don't think you're ever going to retire. Why would you retire when you're having fun with cars? But I know you're doing some work as the motorsports editor for carshowsafari.com. As I mentioned, I had uh, the founder, Tom, and his lovely daughter, Ruby, on the show last week. So what has you excited and fired up today? Well, well, you're right that I'm retired, but I consider myself retired from my professional career in the industrial sector. Uh, I'm now uh, almost just getting started on on the car side of it. But the, the two projects that I'm enjoying as much as anything I've ever done are traveling and writing for Car Show Safari, because that keeps me engaged with the current world of racing. But also these days I'm doing public address work and promotional work for the Classic Racing Times Vintage IndyCar events. That's what had me out in Phoenix. And that keeps me engaged with the racing history that I love so much. I'm, I'm an older guy, and so keeping active in both those areas is, is gratifying at, at this stage of my life. Uh, you know, you've already interviewed Ruby and Tom, so I don't really need to go over everything the Car Show Safari does. But I'd like to underscore that it's a site with tremendous variety and a wide range of resources. And I wanted to note that while you and Ruby talked about what a great team we have here at Car Show Safari that works hard to keep the site up to date, engaging the fundamental business model at carshowsafari.com is that the site's users are able to post event listings, to update event details, and to interact with us via social media. So it's the involvement of the site's users that is helping us to meet our stated goal of every car event everywhere. Right. So it's my little elevator pitch here for those who have not yet used the site. Uh, it's fast. It's fun. It's free. <laughs> well, you know, and I'll tell you, when I posted a Ruby show up on my social feeds and Tom's, a local event we have up here, the uh, Exotics at Redmond Town Center, the folks that run that show, they've been guests mm-hmm. on my show. In fact, it's the only time I've had three people at one time on the show. That was Tom Nault, Vic Tiscarino, and Nick Bergeron, who all run Exotics at Redmond Town Center. They contacted me and said, how do we get listed on their site? And I go, well, here you go. It's easy, free, go do it. And they were so excited. So yeah, this wonderful web they call the internet connects all of us in some really interesting ways. <laughs> well, it's connecting us as as we speak. Absolutely. One of the nice things about Car Show Safari is if someone such as that group there goes to list their event and if they run into any trouble, they can contact us and they'll find an actual person who will help them through the process. Oh, that's novel. A real live person uh, will help them out. Now, I, I did mention the Classic Racing Times, you know, like the vintage cars, it's a throwback because it's a print publication. Hmm. So where Car Show Safari is online, the Classic Racing Times is delivered by the U.S. Postal Service. There you go. And in addition to publishing a print uh, edition. They organize and conduct these on-track events for the vintage Indy cars, 
which is where I got involved. The, the most recent event, as you mentioned, was out in Phoenix. And the next one coming up is at Pocono, coming up in August. It's always in conjunction with the Vintage IndyCar Series. And again, a little bit of an elevator pitch. Uh, people listening to this can learn more about it by visiting theclassicracingtimes.com. Absolutely. I'll make sure I list that link on your show notes page here at Cars yeah on the website. You can come to carsyeah.com. Just type Bob in the search bar or Bob Marlowe. I've had a few Bobs on the show. Yeah, you probably had more than one Bob, although I say I spell mine the other way around. Oh, oh clever guy. Okay, I like that. Well, you and Tom, Tom with the two M's, so <laughs> yep. you guys are confusing me, so... <laughs> Very cool. Well, I'll make sure that we have a link to that on your show notes page here at carsyad.com. All right. Here's a very introspective question for you, Bob. If you were a car, what kind of car would Bob be and why? You say it's introspective. I want to say that it's the strangest question I've ever been asked. (laughs) It reminded me instantly of the failed sitcom from the 1960s, My Mother the Car. Oh, okay. Uh, Obviously, I have too much clutter in my brain because not only do I remember that rather deservedly failed show, but I remember that the star was Jerry Van Dyke, the brother of Dick Van Dyke. Mm. But uh, I I guess I see myself more as a practical vehicle than a performance car. I I mean, after all, I'm a racing announcer and writer. I'm not an actual racer. Uh, I've always been rather pragmatic. Uh, I I like to laugh. I like to make bad puns, but basically I'm a pretty sober guy. So for better or worse, I think I'm more minivan than sports car. Okay. Well, no worries. I'm glad you put some honest thought to that too. Very nice. We've got plenty of sports cars out there. Well, Bob, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsors. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah! And I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, Thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at carsyeah.com. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator. And you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. 
Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. All right, Bob, we are back, and we're entering the last lap. You've been to so many races, you know what that means. The white flag's out, time to put our foot into it. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. All right. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? I I think the best automotive advice I ever got was buy the best car you can afford. Ah. I've restored a few cars over the years, and restoring a car only reinforces the wisdom of buy the best car you can afford. You know what? Absolutely, positively correct. Yes, definitely. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your successes over the years? Uh, I don't take myself too seriously. As an announcer, I always try to keep it light and casual because uh, I think life is too short to get all stressed out. Ah, Absolutely. Now, how about a resource? Uh, you already mentioned one, but there's a lot of great resources out there these days. Is there another one you'd like to mention? Of course, I've mentioned CarShowSafari.com. I have to do that. Well, of course. Yeah, we got to put that up there. <laughs> but if, if you're going to make me specify something other than, than our own site, I want to call out the Vintage Indie Registry, which I've discovered relatively recently. It's a relatively new site, all about the history and preservation of Indianapolis National Championship cars from 1911 through 1996. And it can be found at VintageIndieRegistry.com. Awesome. First time that site's been uh, recommended here. Rather new site, as you said, so I'll make sure I put that link on your show notes page. Now, how about that question about having a drink with somebody in the automotive field who's living or deceased? Who would it be for you? Well, um, it might be somebody I've already had the opportunity to spend a great deal of time with, a gentleman who's now deceased. But if I could go back and spend even more time with him, I would. And that's John Cooper Fitch. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Wow. So you knew John. I, I had the pleasure of knowing him for many, many years. I, I've been an overnight guest at his home. It's just endlessly fascinating to spend time with him. Oh, wow. How fortunate. Man, that is awesome. Yeah, what a guy. What a guy. We lost him not too long ago, too. So, uh, mm. wow. Great. And he made it to age 95. It's a goal of mine. <laughs> well, considering what he did for a living when he was young, just the fact that he got yeah. to age 30 was a good one. So, wow. <laughs> good for you. Very nice. Very nice. Well, is there a book you've read lately that you think our listeners would enjoy reading as well? I hope they enjoy reading it as well, because it riveted me. It's Black Noon by Art Garner. The subtitle was The Year They Stopped the Indy 500. It's a very compelling account of the people and the events surrounding the tragic Indy 500 in 1964. Wow. That's the first time that book's been recommended, which I'm kind of surprised, but I'm glad you recommended it. And I'll remind our listeners that there's a great resource on the Cars Show website called Guest Recommended Books. Just click on the resource button. That page will open up, and then you can find this book that Bob's recommending and books by the past 779 guests. There's close to a 1,000 books listed there. I've made it really easy to buy. And all the other resources that Bob shared will be on his show notes page at CarsYeah.com. All right, we're up to the checkered flag, Bob, the fun one. This last question can be a bit of a doozy. Not that the others haven't been fun, too. If you could have only one very cool collector car in your garage, but you can't get it and then sell it and buy a bunch of other toys. I want you to keep it, and more importantly, I want you to drive it. No garage queens here at Cars Yeah. But money is no object. I'm getting out the big Cars Yeah checkbook today. What would that vehicle be and why? Well, fortunately, having listened to some of your interviews, I knew this one was coming. So I uh, had some had some time to think about it. 
But if you're talking just pure automotive fantasy, it would be an original all-American racer's Gurney Eagle, either the first Eagle Formula One car or one of the first Eagle Indy cars. Oh, my. Uh, you say I have to drive it. Obviously, I can't drive it on the street, but thanks to these events that Classic Racing Times does, I could drive it on the track. Wow. Wow. You picked a good one. Actually, I do know where the first Gurney Eagle is. It resides with uh, the gentleman I used to work with at Griot's Garage. Actually, he parks it in his office, believe it or not. Well, I'm, I am acquainted with the fact that that car is there, and if I could distract Richard sometime, <laughs> I, if, if, if he finds it missing, he better give me a call. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get involved here. I don't want to get in trouble, but uh, <laughs> I'll send you some pictures of me sitting in that car. That'll be kind of a good start. That's very cool. Yeah, that would be pretty special, and uh, Dan Gurney's another one I'd love to get on the show. I know he's aging and uh, a very, very busy guy. I've tried and tried and tried. I hope I can get him on the show, but I did get to spend some time with him, and I I get to talk to him many times. He was gracious enough. I had an illustration of that car uh, made for Richard Griot and had Dan sign that. I gave it to him as a Christmas gift. Right. So uh, Gurney Eagle. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I'll do what I can, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, Bob, you've taken us on an awesome ride today. I knew you would. I knew we were going to have fun today, and I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey in your life with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off down the racetrack in that Gurney Eagle? Well, uh, what I want to say, and maybe coming from the perspective of someone who's a heck of a lot closer to the end of his career than the first, is that life passes much faster than you expect. Sometimes it's wise to wait, but don't wait too long because suddenly you'll be old. Uh, yes, most definitely. Most definitely. Very nice words of wisdom to heed for all you listeners out there. If there's something you want to do in the automotive field or industry, you know what? Start today. That is not soon enough. What's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and learn more about Car Show Safari? Well, it, fortunately, it's very easy. It's just go online to carshowsafari.com. I'm, you know, my title is motorsports editor, so I'm writing virtually all of the racing-related stories that appear on the news and feature pages, but I'm also covering car shows and automotive events of all types. Uh, we've got a great crew of people contributing from across the country. So not only can people go there to, to follow what I'm doing, but anyone who perhaps has the same sort of passion as for looking for a way to get involved, we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. It's a wonderful site. I've encouraged my listeners to go there before. Go there often. Check it out. If you're going to be in a city, maybe traveling or on family vacation, you can uh, kind of peek to the side and see if there's a car show and say, hey, honey, kids, here's a car show today. We should go see it. <laughs> It's much more fun than Disneyland. I agree. <laughs> I would encourage you to check out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially those lines. Oh my gosh. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Bob has been so kind to share at carsyacom slash Bob Marlowe, M-A-R-L-O-W, just as it sounds. Check out Car Show Safari. If you're going to be somewhere or you're planning on going somewhere, they will have a listing that I'm sure will guide you in the right direction to that car show of your dreams. Hey, Bob, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yeah audience and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much. You're welcome. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. 
Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!